0: There were times where I was like, why did I do a VBAC? That I should have just went for the cesarean. This is hard. (laughs) And each time I had a negative thought like that, my doula was like, Becca, you have a kid at home. You have a toddler. You're going to be able to pick up Cal. You're going to be able to do this. You're going to, she's don't give up. She's you are so close. And every time I would say I can't do this. She's "But you are doing this. Like you are doing this and look at how far you've come. And if you give up now, you're going to be so upset.
1: Today on The Birth Experience with Labor Nurse Mama, I have the pleasure of talking to one of my sweet students from the VBAC lab. Her name is Becca and she is the mom of two precious babies, a little boy and now a little girl. This mama is doing this podcast interview at two weeks postpartum. She is incredible. If you don't know what a VBAC is, take a minute and go back and listen to episode 17, where we talk about exactly what a VBAC is. It's a vaginal birth after a cesarean. So listen in as Becca shares her beautiful VBAC story. I... So excited about our guest today! I have Becca, who is one of my VBAC Lab students, and she's going to be sharing her incredible birth story. We love birth stories around here, hence the name, of the birth experience. So we're going to start out. I'm going to let Becca just tell a little bit about herself. If you could just tell, like, a little bit about your story about your first birth and what led you to the VBAC lab and pursuing a VBAC. So
0: actually with my first son, I followed you on Instagram and I had a lot of information, good information you gave me. And I just researched a lot and I thought I knew a lot about like giving birth and the interventions and what you can do and say no and all of that. But I was not as prepared as I thought I was. So I ended up with an induction with my son at 41 weeks, and it was the worst experience of my life. It was, like, traumatic. I, ended, I was in labor for 36 hours. I got stuck at nine centimeters and then my cervix swelled. So they took me for a cesarean. And then two weeks later, I actually ended up back in the hospital for an infection that they couldn't figure out where it was coming from. And I was also admitted for that for another three days. So that was actually That's the first so night.
1: traumatizing. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And it was at two weeks old, I had to leave my son home with my mom because of COVID. They wouldn't let me take my son to the hospital. But then we get to the hospital and they're like, where's your son? And it was like, you told us we couldn't bring him. He's at home. It was just very devastating. So when I knew that we wanted another one, I wanted to have all the information I could. So I took your VBAC lab course. I actually referred one of my coworkers' wives to you, Ashley. Ashley Cox. Yep. She was looking for information on just like VBACs and like whatnot. And I was like, you need to go follow Trish. She is amazing. Like, She's – I want to take her course when we get pregnant with our second. And then she had her amazing story. So it just unfolded from there. And then I actually ended up switching physicians or like OB offices because at my intake, my OB office had told me that I would probably have a cesarean because I wasn't going to be two years out from having my son. I'm a month shy of being two years, just going to put that in Which there. is ridiculous. Yeah. And then also I had the midwives my first time with them. And after my son was born, like after I had my cesarean, they had told me that I could still have the midwives next time. I could still do a VBAC. It didn't mean that they were giving up on me. And then when I did my intake at eight weeks, they told me that I can't see the midwives and that I'm going to have, probably have a cesarean. And it was just like completely backward. So I was like, I'm going to find a different practice. And I didn't really care for the hospital I was at either. And their cesarean rate is really high. So I was like, I'm going to try a different, just find somewhere else that's going to actually support this decision. So we ended up going to U of M because I'm from Michigan. And had a midwife who was just absolutely phenomenal. And it was like every part of my birth plan or like the birth process, it wasn't a fight to to have what I wanted. It was, that was just standard practice for them, which was amazing. And even in the hospital, everyone was like, yes, be back like this. You can do this. Like they're just so supportive.
1: So that's what led us to that decision making. What an incredible testimony of the differences between a VBAC-friendly provider and a VBAC-tolerant provider. A VBAC-tolerant provider puts up every roadblock there is. There's negativity, there's what-ifs, and even just some of the language they used with you was very dismissive. That makes me sad.
0: I was crying at my eight-week appointment, like telling her what I wanted, and she was just like, the only word she could say was, it's policy and i'm like you're telling me that in a year and 2 months because that's from when i had my son your policy has changed because all of your midwives who work for you <laughs> were telling me that this was possible and now
1: you're telling me it's not so it's maddening and that's exactly why i'm so passionate about coming alongside moms who want to have a vbac because even acog states that if, you know 90% of women who have had a primary cesarean are candidates for a VBAC and 60 to 80% of VBACs are successful. And I say this to you guys is that I truly believe that number would be higher if these women were more supported and celebrated and encouraged. And there was more of a sense of, oh yeah, you can do this. Your body's made to do this. This is no problem but there's not. And it's unfortunate. It really is unfortunate. And that is why I created the VBAC lab. It's not just like a little add on to a birth class. It is the birth class. Like it's all about VBACs. And I think that's so important. Okay. So let's talk a little bit about your birth story and tell me about your pregnancy. During the pregnancy, when did you join the VBAC lab? How many weeks were you? I think it was right
0: away. I think it was right away, honestly, because I'd like slowly worked my way through it and my husband would listen to it too. And then we did the partner part of the VBAC lab. Yep. Yep. We did that, which was good because even though we had a a son already, it was just good information for him and he had some questions and stuff. So we just talked about it that way. I hired a doula too. That was like immediate as well. So just a lot of different changes. I also took, I treat pelvic floor. And I also ended up taking a, someone else I follow on Instagram who does pelvic floor and primarily is postpartum and like prenatal. She had a course and I was like, I'm going to take this because I also had a pregnant patient at the time. I took it for myself for my birth and then also to help others. And that also was very helpful just with positions and pushing and workouts and things like that. So just to prepare your pelvic floor. I love that. Yep. So that was great. Um, and that was just how it was. My pregnancy was pretty smooth, just like it was with my son. I never really had any issues with pregnancy. She was far more active than my son was, so we did end up in triage a couple times because she would go like six or eight hours and not move, which was not like her. But everything was fine. And honestly, pregnancy—I'm very blessed with having the pregnancy I did. Honestly. Um, and then did you
1: and did you feel supported for your VBAC through the whole pregnancy? Do the
0: entire thing. That's
1: amazing. Thing. I my first appointment with the midwife.
0: I think I was like 14 weeks because it took just a bit to get in there, and my husband was with us. And she answered. I obviously came in with a ton of questions because I wanted to make sure this was a good fit for us. Yeah. And we, I literally cried in the appointment because she was so supportive. And I remember one of my big things was I didn't want to be induced, and so I had asked like, how long do you let. Women go before you do an induction. And she was like, How do you need to stop with that mindset right there? It's not how long we let you, it's how long we can support you and safely allow you to continue with your pregnancy. And I was just like, I'm getting goosebumps now, but I was just like, That is just what I wanted to hear. I did not want to be pushed for an induction, even when it came time because I was overdue. It's apparently a very baby hopping time. So they're very busy in the hospital. Yeah. So she's, We're going to schedule your induction. But not not because I think you need it, but just because this is going to get your baby out, too, because she knows there's an end date. So she scheduled it for 42 weeks. Oh, um, nice. And then we just quit from there. But, yeah, from the first day, my husband's jaw was on the floor when we left the office. And we both were like, this was just night and day. We had more information in one visit than we did an entire pregnancy and postpartum with our son. So – yeah, it was. But then I also, like my friends or people who are pregnant around me, I'm like, the hospital around us isn't the greatest. If you're willing to make the hour drive, do it because it's so worth it,
1: <laughs> in and my what opinion. Would, I love this because inside my birth classes, I encourage you guys to switch providers. If they're not supporting you, picking a supportive provider can be one of the most directly influential decisions you make on your birth by having a supportive provider. So for the moms out there that have these little nagging feelings or this, oh my God, I really, need I don't like this provider. I don't know what to do, but it'll be so much work and I don't know if I can switch. What would you tell them?
0: Do it. It is so worth it because there was never an appointment that I dreaded going to. There, like I looked forward to it. I loved the conversations we had. She really listened and understood what I was saying or what I wanted. And she was really receptive like to a lot of things and she wasn't sometimes you get those um like physicians or providers or like whatever the situation is and they're very judgy and it's you never I never felt that I always felt supported I always felt like my decision was valid she always was just she just always was in my corner and that's just what you want
1: I love that. And that's what we should have. That shouldn't be the unusual. That should be the norm. I just did a podcast last week. I recorded it. It hasn't aired yet. Hopefully it'll air by the time we air this. And it's all about coercive language in birth care. And when you said that about let, if a provider says, I don't let my patients, we don't allow this. If we don't let our patients go past 41 weeks, we induce at, we do this, we do that. That is not inclusive. That is, this is what I do and that's what you're going to do because it's what I do. And that is abuse. It's not right. That's not right at all. And there's very other areas of, I don't want to say healthier because Birth is a natural process, but there's very other areas of healthcare, let's just say that, where people are not given choices, where they're told.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. I work in healthcare, and we say that all the time. Like so many, I work in physical therapy, and so many times our patients don't realize that one, they have a choice if they have surgery or not, two, they can switch doctors. And three, they can pick which physical therapy place they want to go to because a lot of times we get people who go somewhere else and it's not a very good experience and they didn't know that they could just – whatever the situation is, they're just not educated.
1: This fires me up because they think because the doctor said, oh, here, go to blah, 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 that's where they have to go. And you do – we are consumers here. Like we are purchasing these services so we have a right just I don't know if how many happy hours you went to but I tell the girls all the time like your birth think of your especially the labor nurse because I tell you guys if your labor nurse is not supporting you fire her like you don't have to do it you I don't want you guys being like you are fired I want you to do it in a respectful way however, if you went to a restaurant and you ordered a, your, whatever that you want, and they are like, oh, no, I'm going to bring you the burger because I don't want you to have this. You should have this. And this is what we serve to everybody on Tuesdays. You would be like, what? But when it comes to birth, if your provider said, oh, I push all my patients on in lithotomy position, okay, well, that's good for you, but I'm not doing that. We're not going to do everything just because that's how you do it because that's not best for me. But anyway, we could go off on a tangent. Tell me about the end of the pregnancy and how many weeks you were. Did you go into spontaneous labor? Were you induced? Yes, yeah, So at
0: 40 weeks in a day or 40 weeks in two days, I had lost my mucus plug all day long. I was having contractions and pressure. I was texting my doula. I was, we actually thought I would end up in the hospital that night just because of how things were progressing. And then we got home that night and everything stopped. <laughs> and this happened like, all week. So I feel like it was like predominant labor all week long. And it was one of those, I felt like the boy who cried wolf for several days. And then I went and saw my doula on, who's also a massage therapist. That's a nice combo. Yes. <laughs> It It's fantastic. I highly recommend. I saw her at just the day before I hit 41 weeks. So I went down and I saw her and she did just some like pressure point type things to see if she could get anything going I don't know if it actually works or not but then actually my hip flexors and psoas and like all this stuff around ligament were so tight on both sides that the baby like she couldn't drop because my muscles were so tight so she just did some releases through there and even like standing up and leaving her massage was like night like I could just already feel the pressure in my pelvis from like the baby being able to move down and so I was like, oh, this is a good thing. She's like, hopefully I see you soon. Hopefully this baby's coming out. And so for the rest of that day, I was having like pressure in my pelvis and just things were moving. I could just tell things were moving. We were at a friend's house that night because my grandparents kept my son, which was nice. And I was just sitting there. I was like, I told my husband, I was like, we need to leave. I am so uncomfortable. I just want to lay down. I'm sure this is nothing, but something's going on. She got things moving. <laughs> So I ended up having contractions that night, but they were coming like every hour to a couple hours. And then I woke up at about six a.m. and I was like, "These are consistent." So I started tracking them. And at six thirty, um, my doula and I had code because I was like, "I'm the person who keeps crying wolf." She's instead of saying that you're having contractions, just send me like a duck or something, like a little duckling. So I ended up sending her like five ducks, and she's that's a lot of ducks. And I'm like, this is serious. (laughs) So she was like, okay, talk me through it. And I was like, they're coming every five. And they weren't necessarily just the, like your whole, like stomach, abdomen compressing. It was like the menstrual cramps and those types of things. And I was like, they're coming every five minutes. And she's like, okay. She's like, how bad? And I was like, well, I can still move and talk through them for the most part, but they're getting more intense. So at seven o'clock in the morning, it's also my husband's birthday today on that day. I wake him up and I'm like, you need a shower. Let's pack. Let's finish packing the car. We need to go to the hospital. And he's like, really? I'm like, yes. Like I just took a shower. Your turn. Let's go. <laughs> so on the way to the hospital, the last, cause it's an hour, just over an hour drive to the hospital, the last 10 minutes of the drive, I was like, we need to get there. The sitting position was just very uncomfortable. I was having a harder time breathing through them. Um, just just uncomfortable. So we get to the hospital. I stand up. Things are better. We get into triage. They check me just to see because my contractions were coming so often. And I'm still only at two centimeters and 80% effaced. But they're like, there's a lot of, when they hooked me up to the monitors, they're like, like there's a, there's nonstop uterine contractions happening. And I'm like, yes, that's what I'm telling you. (laughs) So they send us to walk and it's downtown Ann Arbor. So we walk two miles because we were going to breakfast, which I only ate like a bite of. And at this point my doula had met us and I was having contractions the whole time, but I had just this one contraction and she looked at me and she goes to the waitress and she's, we need a check in the boxes ASAP, like right now. <laughs> she's, that was an intense contraction. We need you at the hospital or like closer. Cause we're like a mile away. Then we had to walk. We didn't have a car. So we walk back, which takes I forever. I
1: love <laughs> that you walked. Yes, it. We had to stop. I swear,
0: we stopped every like a hundred feet. It seemed like at one point because it was just. It was probably an interesting sight if you're driving down the streets and just see this (laughs) girl with her husband or her arms around her husband. And so when we got back, they wanted us back at noon, which was three hours later. And when the nurse came in, she's like, this is a totally different story. I was like bent over the bed. I was, my contractions were every three minutes. And then one of the midwives had came in and she's, I don't have your chart pulled up. How many weeks are you? And I was like, I'm 41 weeks today. She's like, oh, we're admitting you. You are not going home. Cause if things even do stall, like we're going to just keep this going. So I'm like, I never thought these were going to stall anyway. So I didn't think going home was an option. So they get us into a room and I was sitting on the stability ball and I was just gently bouncing while they were asking me a million questions. My husband had just left to go get everything else out of the car because we didn't want to bring it up the first time. And all of a sudden I feel that pop and I'm like, oh, but I didn't feel like the water yet. And so I stood up and I was like, that was weird and as soon as I finished my sentence it was like I was like oh there goes my water and everything just happened so fast from there I feel like your water breaking it goes from like zero to a hundred so I sat on the toilet for a little bit and I was like I can't sit I can't be here this is so uncomfortable they a had... toilet sit will get you oh it was not my friend <laughs> so there's a tub there and so I was like warm water can I just sit in the tub I think that's gonna really help and it helped tremendously. Like, it was tolerable. I labored in there for a really long time, actually. And they gave me, like, the shower hose, which was had warm water. And I just put it right over my stomach. And it was just, like, especially during the contractions, it was amazing. You did um,
1: something very similar yeah. when I was having Gavin. And it was incredible. It was so different.
0: So it was tolerable. And then... I was like, I don't know if I can continue doing this because they were coming like two to three minutes and it was just significantly more intense. So they get the midwife in and they go to check. Also, they've been trying to get the port in the vein. What am I trying to say? Your IV in? <laughs> yes, they were trying to get the IV in and they co- the one nurse couldn't, which is unheard of for me. I usually have the veins that people practice on. Yeah, But me apparently too. <laughs> I was so dehydrated that they couldn't Get anything in, and then because it's a VBAC, they do continuous monitoring. But it was waterproof and it was cordless, so they were trying to put it on in the tub, but they it was not working. Like everything was just not happening. So the midwife comes in and she checks me. And she's you're hundred percent effaced, but you're five centimeters. And I was like, I still have five centimeters to go. I was like, give me an epidural. <laughs> I was like, I can't do this for I don't know how long. And I think I was having like flashbacks, like PTSD from my son because I was. It took me so long to progress and to get to even nine centimeters with him that I didn't want to just be in this pain for hours upon hours or days. So they finally get me out of the tub and they go to do the epidural, which took forever. And it took six different people to try and get my IV in. It was miserable. Oh, Once I got the epidural, I was good to go. I was like, okay, I can handle this. I can manage. Things continued to progress. It never slowed down. Like my contractions stayed the same which was really nice. And I was constantly changing positions and moving, which was very
1: helpful too. And you've seen Ashley's birth. Yes. Yes. Her videos. (laughs) I love Ashley because I use her video all the time to show people that you can get in many different positions with an epidural. Oh yeah.
0: And I actually learned that my epidural wasn't really that high because I could completely move myself. Like they did not have to help me move at all, but it was enough But it did control the pain. Yeah, it was enough that it controlled the pain. That's a perfect Um, epidural. So I was just like, I can still move. Obviously, I can't stand, but I can still turn myself around and do whatever I needed to do. They were very helpful. My doula was there. She was talking me through it. I was just trying to breathe through everything and not tense up and just let everything happen. And so I don't know. It was definitely hard. (laughs) But it was a very, really good experience when I finally hit 10 centimeters because the nurse, every time I'd get, like, they would be like, this seems real close because I'm like, there's so much pressure. Like, I something's happening. They, the one time the midwife came in, I was like, if I'm not at like a nine, don't tell me. <laughs> she said, I'm not lying. You're at a nine and a half. <laughs> and then the next time she came in, I was like, I think something's happening. So she checked and she's, you're at a 10. It's time to push. And I just started crying because I had never, I didn't make it that far before. Yeah, and it was just so like beautiful. one of those, ah, this is it. This is, we're almost there. This is the end. And it was great because I even talked to like my nurse and my doula who they were in there the whole time. And I was, they asked me to do like a different position. And I was like, I have PTSD. That's like the last position I was in before my cervix swelled with my son. and And I was so close to the end. And they're like, well, we don't want to make you do something that's going to cause you stress. And. I ended up doing it anyway because I was like, it's a different situation. It's going to help. And they were just all so supportive. It was great. So that's
1: how that story went about. I love that so much. And it's so beautiful how – and I want for any of you guys listening who are considering v back. I want you to know that you can have a redemptive birth after a cesarean, whether or not you have a successful VBAC or a repeat cesarean. Because I have several students in the VBAC lab that end up deciding that the repeat cesarean is right for them. But the ownership of that journey and being able to walk through it on their own terms and their own decisions makes everything redemptive and i just love so one of the things we do in the vbac lab obviously but the people listening don't is we have a whole module on your previous birth trauma and walking through your triggers and figuring out what are my triggers so like becca was saying She has some triggers from her delivery, which when she hit those triggers, she was able to work herself through them and walk through them. And I think that's really important because if you haven't dealt with your triggers before birth, when it comes, you may not even know what it's ha- is happening. And that's like with it for all of us. Let's say, I'm trying to think of something like, let's say you got food poisoning by a certain restaurant. If someone suggests that restaurant to go eat <laughs> there, you're going to, you, you might start sweating a little and your heart's racing a little and you're not even thinking about the food poisoning, but you're like, primal instinct is bad. It's bad. And so I love that when you hit those triggers in a redemptive birth, you have to be able to move through them and you were able to redeem it. Yeah, it was great. I get tons of questions every day about my birth courses. And if you haven't joined us yet, I thought I would share some answers with you. What makes my birth course different than all other birth courses? This course is designed and taught by a labor nurse who is incredibly passionate about you and your birth experience. It is deeply rooted in evidence based care and facts. Inside my birth course, you're going to have access to a private community group full of other women ready to help you at a moment's notice. Imagine what it will feel like to have an entire group of women in your corner who you can turn to with questions and fears. You will not be alone on this journey. Another question I get is what if I feel like I don't have time? I know you're busy. We all are. But here's the thing. You can work at your own pace. It is self-paced, online. You have access for a lifetime. You can listen while you're doing the dishes, driving to work, folding laundry, or just hanging out. And what's really time-consuming is putting off your own self-care and then winging your birth. It's better an ounce of prevention now than a pound of cure later. This is a big investment for me. I'm not sure. Mama, a lot of insurance companies will reimburse you. Now, I can't say that for sure, but we can help you submit it for reimbursement what if I decide this course isn't for me? No problem. We have a 14-day money-back guarantee. No questions asked. Just send us an email with your name and your email that you used to join your birth course and we'll take care of it. I'm not a first-time mom. Do I still need this? Did your last birth experience leave you feel empowered, full of confidence, and in awe of your body's abilities? If not, you can definitely improve this experience this time around better than anyone that you don't get a second shot at this birth. Use this chance to learn your rights and understand what your body is truly capable of. You won't regret it. Let me teach my proven steps for having a better birth experience that you long for and that you don't regret. If you have any other questions I didn't cover here, head over to Instagram, send me a DM, or send me an email at info at But if you are all ready to join, then go to labornursemama.com forward slash calm, C-A-L-M, because we want you to have a calm labor and a confident birth.
0: There were times where I was like, why did I do a VBAC? Like, I should have just went for the cesarean. This is hard. (laughs) And each time I had like a negative thought like that, my doula was like, Becca, you have a kid at home. You have a toddler. You're going to be able to pick up Cal. You're going to be able to do this. You're going to, she's don't give up. She's, you are so close. And every time I would say, I can't do this. she's, But you are doing this. Like, You are doing this and look at how far you've come. And if you give up now, you're going to be so upset. Just having the actual VBAC. So I finally found a position I was, I wanted to push in. And then I was actually able to push instead of just like bearing down and holding my breath. I was actually able to like relax my pelvic floor and just like gently push that way, which just seems so much more natural to me. And as soon as I did that, they're like, she's crowning. There's her head. You can see her head. And it was just like within five minutes, she was out and I was like, I said some choice words. I was like, I effing did it. And yes, everyone started laughing because they're like, the-, Her name's Thea. They're like, Thea's first words are, I <laughs> heard that. But it was just such an empowering experience. And going through that entire labor process was actually completely worth it at the end, just to have that, like you said, that feeling of empowerment and like you did it. And, and not even just that, but like my recovery since then is night and day. I was able to get up and use the bathroom by myself. I was able to pick her up out of the bassinet. I was able to get out of bed. I couldn't do any of these things after my cesarean. I could drive. And we left the hospital for exactly 24 hours after she was born. They did her 24-hour newborn tests, and then they sent us home. I love that. It was just amazing. It it was, the recovery and everything has just been so much better. It was 100% worth it.
1: (laughs) Okay, so if you had to sum it up, what would you say that you just absolutely loved about your birth? I loved, honestly, the feeling
0: of being able to push her out the way I wanted to and have it more of a feeling more of a natural than a forced was probably my favorite thing because it was almost just like you're connecting with your body and your baby and it, th- I can't even explain it. There's just
1: – it's just this feeling that I probably will take with me forever. <laughs> I love that too, even with you being a physical therapist who has now – you've moved into the pelvic floor realm. So – why is that important for us to find a natural position that works with our pelvic floor as opposed to laying flat on our back with our feet in the air, pushing in an unnatural position as far as pelvic floor health? What would you say to your client? If you're actually listening to your body and doing it, which I did at the beginning and then I got excited
0: because her head was out and I just, I did not listen. Like I did not push with my contractions. I just kept pushing and pushing, and it was actually really bad because then I ended up tearing pretty significantly, and I actually did have a mild hemorrhage, but still, my recovery is far better this time than it was with my cesarean, but it's just, you're going to have less tears of your um, of the pelvic floor. You're going to have less trauma. It just seems more natural, at least in my opinion, and maybe it's because I had been doing pelvic floor, like I I knew how to activate, which a lot of women don't like that's you're so passionate about VBACs and educating women on births and labor. And I'm so passionate about just educating women on what is your public floor. And you don't have to feel like you have to pee your pants all the time. And you don't like you don't have to have pain with things. That's my thing that makes me so passionate about is that side of it.
1: You need to come into the student (laughs) community and do a workshop. (laughs) <laughs> I would love to have you come do that because I think you're right. And that is that is where we as birth professionals have to work together. This is why I hired Taylor, our doula, yeah. because we want to come from different areas and work together Absolutely. to make the best experience for each mom. Yeah. And We can only do that if we work together. So I love that so much. So, you did take the VBAC lab. I did. How do you feel that helped you with your birth experience? It just gave
0: me a lot more knowledge and like confidence with decision making. Um, and then there's things that you don't necessarily think about like with your birth plan or like just interventions or what whatever the situation may be and you literally put everything out there like these are all of the things and this is why or why not and you have choices and you educate yourself and you decide what's best for you and If you if those something happens and you have to change your choice or whatnot, like you have that knowledge to understand why or things like that. Like, for instance, I didn't want Pitocin after birth as long as everything was fine, but I ended up with a mild hemorrhage. And so I had to have it. And it was something that everyone was very like. They actually, you could tell that they actually studied my birth plan because every time something happened where it was like a questionable, we might have to do this. It was talked to me and it was, we like talked it out and I either said yes or no or whatever the situation was. And so
1: I, I love that part was really helpful. Yeah, and I love that because I call it a birth map. And what I love about presenting it as a map is that, and I tell people all the time, so if you guys have heard this, so sorry, but it's like going on a vacation and like my husband and I are planning a cruise. And if we went on our cruise and we left our neighborhood to head to the airport and one side of the neighborhood was blocked from a tree being down, we wouldn't be like, damn, I'm going home. Forget the cruise. We would take a right instead of a left. And you have, But you have to know the route. You have to know the options. You have to understand when is it necessary, like Pitocin after delivery. It is not necessary for everyone. But if you are having a hemorrhage or you're at risk for a hemorrhage, then it's necessary. So I think that's the wisdom of making informed decisions. And then leaving your birth feeling, yeah, I rocked that. I made the decisions. I was a part of the process. It didn't. It wasn't done to me. I did it. Yes. I yes. did it.
0: Yeah. And like you said, I even had a friend who had a repeat cesarean because of her situation was far different. She actually ended up with an emergency cesarean, she, other things going on. And Our babies are one day apart, (laughs) and it was just our healing is so much different because we were actually able to claim our births. We did it in different ways. She had a repeat cesarean, I had a VBAC, but it was still like our recoveries are so different from our first. And just being able to make those decisions has been very helpful. So,
1: yeah, I love that. So, what about your birth? Did you not, or would you change? I did not. I like pushed, like very down
0: pushed for quite some, I think I pushed for an hour 15. And the last legitimately, the last five to 10 minutes was when I was pushing how I wanted to push and she came out right away. So I think I just would have, I don't know, I probably would have been able to labor down a little bit more as well. So I probably would have changed that and then Figured out the whole pushing situation before, but I thought it was my positioning that was wrong. And so I like had them change, help me change positions. I don't know. I think I did at least six or seven different ones within that first. So this isn't it. I need something different. I'm like, this isn't it. (laughs) So (laughs) we just went through all these different things and they helped and they were supportive. They thought I was crazy, but. Because they were also trying to get my legs to go out, which actually closes your pelvis. And so I was like, no. you
1: Knees in. Ankles I'm out. Like, yeah. I kept yes. saying
0: that. And I'm like, you need internal rotation. And I'm using like medical terms and they're just looking at me. I'm like, just trust me.
1: <laughs> oh, goodness. That, so- it's so <laughs> maddening when everything that people are doing is going against how your body works. I
0: And I just can't believe it too because – I think, I don't know, I loved my doula, she was fantastic, but I also think that I could even help her further her her experience with her, I guess, patients or her mamas because just like the positioning of like legs, knees in, ankles out and just some more information on public floor. I
1: wish I could go back to the first half of my career, how many times I had people grab their ankles and put their knees out. And I thank God, if I had only known, but we didn't um, know. Thank God for yeah. the internet for some things. That's actually how they had me start. And I was like, immediately, oh. <laughs> I was, it's like, a go-to. No. Yeah it's a go-to. So what was that? I was going to ask you something else. Let's see. What surprised you about your contractions or your labor? So with my first, I was induced and they came,
0: I was at four centimeters and they were coming every one to two minutes and they were lasting uh, 45 to 60 seconds. And I get that's part of the induction, but I thought that was just, I don't know. I didn't expect my contractions to be so close together and so strong and so early on like even at two centimeters and then again at five centimeters that was just what was surprising me I thought they'd be a little bit further apart and then as you get closer to like transition and things like that then they would closer together and more intense which they do to an extent but I just we went to the hospital and I was I started out five minutes apart and we got there and I was three minutes apart so I was like this is it but it wasn't Yeah. <laughs> so that was
1: probably the surprising part for me. And you you already had your epidural when you hit transition, I'm assuming.
0: I had it honestly, I probably didn't even get it. I was probably out six or seven centimeters by the time they
1: did it. So Oh yeah, because it took so many times.
0: It took them for it took forever to get so, the IV. And then I actually feel bad because I don't know if it was a resident or just someone new, but it was definitely someone like training. That did my epidural because there was two of them in there, and she was so thorough that I was like, it was driving me nuts. And like each contraction, she's like, "I'll wait until this is done." I'm like, "No, tell me now! Like talk, keep talking, because the more (laughs) you stop, the longer this is going to take, and I want that epidural now."
1: I am so terrible be- so I obviously I'm a nurse and I was an I was a student at one time and I was a trainee at one time but me personally for my births I've said no to students. I was actually surprised. I don't know
0: if she was actually a student, but I was surprised that they didn't tell us that. And I realized that after the epidural kicked in and my husband and I looked at each other because I, again, like being in healthcare and having to be like the student and, and learning and all of that, I'm usually very supportive of it, but at this point I was like I looked at my husband I was like That was probably one of her, she's probably still trying to figure this out, isn't she? And he was like, yeah, I was trying to tell you not to say, like, too much because (laughs) she was clearly, like, new. I apologized, like, profusely after because it was so not me. Like, I was like, where's the epidural? Why aren't you doing it? I was very blunt and, like, abrupt, and I'm not like that at all. And so they're like, it's okay. We understand, like, pain changes things. Like, you don't need to apologize. Like, it was good, but it was, it was a... It was an
1: interesting time. I always say what happens in labor stays in labor <laughs> because you never know. My nine-year-old – or my daughter was nine when I had Grayson. And I i don't know if you've heard me say this to the students before, but I have a very weird labor pattern with all of them, whether I'm induced or not. I stay at three. I stay at three. I stay at three. I stay at three. I'm complete. I push. Oh, my and gosh. But I stay at three for a very long time, so Grayson was number six of my deliveries, and my daughters were both in there, and I told them I said, "Hey, I get very introspective, I don't talk, like so if I'm not answering you, that's why. I'm very quiet, very withdrawn. This girl lost it. <laughs> I remember thinking you're scarring your children. But I was like, I leaned up out of the bed, like an exorcist moment. Like In hindsight, I was about to hit transition, but I leaned up and I looked at my midwife and I said, Lee, if I am three centimeters, I am going to kill you. And I laid back down. She checked me and her eyes went, and she was like, You're still three centimeters, and I was like, "I'm going to the bathroom." So I went in the bathroom, and I remember grabbing the person I was with, and I said, "I said, turn the pitocin down." And I don't know why I didn't do it, but I was so out of my mind. Like I had been a labor nurse for a very long time at that point. Came out of the room, the bathroom, sat down, and here's a side note for everybody. So this is a lot of TMI. I do not. I have never had gas around my current husband. I never had gas around my ex-husband. Only time in my life I've had gas in front of one of them was right that moment. Labor. (laughs) Yeah. I was mortified. I laid down. I had gas. I wanted to cry. And then I pushed him out. Oh my goodness. (laughs) That was that. Yeah. Within four minutes. So. I just mortified myself on the podcast. (laughs) Yeah. So what happens 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 to Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. And no one else has shared that story besides me, but anyway, there it is. So I'm so glad we had you on today. How old is the baby? How is the baby? She is, I don't know, over two weeks, two weeks and four days.
0: She is night and day compared to my son. She's very calm and chill. We thought she would be like crazy rambunctious it's been amazing she's just so sweet she barely she cries when she like needs fed or something but she's very mellow it's we'll see how it goes I'm learning that my son who's going to be two in a month is quite the diva and I thought he was easy <laughs>
1: I so. And I, I love her name so much. It's such a beautiful She's name. Named
0: after my grandmother who passed away in March.
1: I love it so much. I love old school names for children. Like I love just classic old school, beautiful names like that. So well, I'm you. so glad you came on today. Thank you so much for sharing with us. I know everyone will love this. We love birth stories around here. So the last thing I have to ask you, I ask all my guests. <laughs> is what is your superpower? What would you say is your superpower? Oh, I have no idea. <laughs> I have no, no idea. No, you have to. So we as women need to learn how to complement ourselves. So what do you do like incredible? What is your superpower? Come on. I don't know. What did I answer in the? I think Let's, I answered this. Let me look. You said I thoroughly enjoy educating women oh, on yes. the pelvic floor, not just prenatal, s- postpartum, but all yep. women. Yep. Yeah. I, I love would, that. I don't know.
0: I just love that, like taking care of people and just seeing them go from like this grumpy, upset, painful to smiling, everything's better. I don't know. That's,
1: I don't know if that's I a mean, superpower. Pelvic, that's what I pelvic say I floor love. dysfunction can be quite horrible.
0: Oh, it's, yes.
1: So yes. I'm sure I they have, feel like it's your superpower. <laughs> I
0: have a road of recovery myself, so.
1: <laughs> yeah, what would you? What would your husband or your partner? What do you think my superpower is? You're like most persistent. Person I've ever of, like- most persistent. <laughs> so your husband says that your superpower is that you are the most persistent person you've ever met in your life. Apparently. I love that. That's how we get things done, don't you think?
0: maybe yeah I guess I get it in my head that something is gonna be done or that's
1: what it's gonna be and that's what we do Guess so what? I, I
0: guess I have to agree with that. He's right I there. Have
1: that, I have that same thing myself. But I love that because you said your superpower is helping women with pelvic floor dysfunction. And who in the hell wouldn't want a physical therapist who's going to be persistent in making that happen? Yeah, that's true. <laughs> because none of us want to pee or poo in our pants, right? No, not at all. Or have pain <laughs> or prolapse yes. or
0: whatever the situation.
1: Yeah, whatever the situation. Well, thank you so much for coming on today. I am so excited. And make sure you come on and share share your birth story on the happy hour. Okay. I will have to. We would would love it. Thank you so much, Becca. Thanks. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Birth Experience with Labor Nurse Mama. I love birth stories and I loved listening to Becca's empowered V-Back. We talked a bit about coercive language, so if you're interested in learning a little bit more about what that is, head to episode 19 where I talked to Tracy, a doula who is passionate about helping women recognize coercive language. As always, hit subscribe and leave a review. Please, we appreciate it so much to hear what you guys think. Have a fantastic day. I will talk to you next Friday.